Well, good morning, Jubilee. And uh, I hope that you're doing well. I hope that you uh, enjoyed our worship time this morning. Isn't it great just to enjoy the truths about God and uh, what he's done for us? So um, hopefully you've got your Bibles ready. And if you can be finding the, the book of James, that would be great. We're going to continue our series in James, this letter to the scattered church uh, today. And uh, But contrast can be a really powerful way of drawing attention to things. And uh, by, by setting two things alongside each other um, and comparing them directly, the character of both can be seen more clearly than if we just look at them one at a time. And what James sets up for us in these few verses that we're going to look at today is a very stark contrast between two types of wisdom. Um, and I think that he is deliberately trying to stop us in our tracks and uh, make us consider which of these types of wisdom we have. So we're going to explore that together today. But um, James chapter three, verses 13 to 18, I'm going to read them out now and hopefully the words will appear on the screen as well. Who among you is wise and understanding? Let him show by his good behaviour his deeds in the gentleness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not be arrogant and so lie against the truth. This wisdom is not that which comes down from above, but is earthly, natural, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder and every evil thing. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering without hypocrisy. And the seed whose fruit is righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. I'm going to pray for us as we dive into this chapter. Our Father, we do so love your presence. And uh, we love gathering with each other, despite it being at a distance. We know that we're together in your presence, worshipping you as your people. And Father, as we look at your word now, would you open it up to us? I pray you would guide my words. Father, I pray that each of our hearts would be open to you and that you would lead us in the way of wisdom. Amen. So James begins this section by asking us a question. Who among you is wise and understanding? And the answer should be this. It should be all of us. That, that should be the answer. There's no reason why all of us shouldn't be wise and understanding. And how do we know that? Well, he, James says, well, it's those who, by their good behaviour and deeds in the gentleness or meekness of wisdom, show that they're wise. Now, when I, whenever I read about wisdom in scripture, I imagine that wisdom is this kind of beautiful gemstone. Kind of that, as you look at it from every different sort of angle, it just gets more and more magnificent. Like a highly polished, cut diamond. And I think the overriding impression from this paragraph of James is that wisdom is like this. It's like this multifaceted, beautiful gemstone. And James is asking us to focus on this and look upon this wisdom from above, wisdom which flows right from the throne room of heaven, this heavenly wisdom. And so I'm going to talk about three things briefly this morning. 
going to talk about the source of wisdom, going to talk secondly about the characteristics of wisdom, and thirdly about the fruit of wisdom. And all the time there will be this contrast between the two types of wisdom that James is describing. So the first then, the source of wisdom, the key to all of this, this is, this is what we need to remember, is wisdom flows from a relationship with God. And the two types of wisdom indicate that right at the outset. So on, on the one side, we have exhibit A, wisdom, who is, which is not from above in verse 15. And it's described as earthly as natural or unspiritual, and as demonic. Three things. Blomberg, in his commentary, describes it as earthbound, spiritually dead, and demonically instigated. Wow. I mean, we can kind of characterize it as the world, the flesh, and the devil. That unholy trinity that war against us and try and drive us off course that we have to watch out for and combat. But this wisdom that is not from above is not a pleasant thing. It is earthly, it is natural, and it is demonic. And let's just see how James contrasts that. He says the wisdom from above, the wisdom that comes from above, is good and perfect, and it's from the Father. And this may remind us of the early chapter of James. So right back at the start of James, he says in verse five of the letter that if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask who? Let him ask God, who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. This wisdom from above is a gift from the Father. All we have to do is ask for it. And we know that he gives us good things. Read verse 17 of chapter one of James. Every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the father of lights. You see, this wisdom from above is a wonderful, wonderful gift right from the throne room of, room of heaven. And us having this wisdom from above, it flows out of relationship with God. But we have to ask for it. Last weekend, I um, was in a large DIY store uh, looking for sand. And uh, I was wandering around. And you know how it is in these stores. You kind of do your daily step count before you even get to the plumbing section sort of thing. And uh, there's no sign of sand anywhere. And uh, so we walk up and down every aisle. We do the inside bit. We do the outside bit. We start to retrace our steps. When Joseph, who's with me, says, why don't you just ask someone, Dad? Oh, well, maybe. Maybe I'll ask them in a minute. You know how it is. You don't really like to trouble the people who, who work there. Um, anyway, I did relent and, and ask someone. And the amazing thing was that as soon as I asked someone, I immediately then knew what my course of action needed to be, which in that instance was leave the shop because they weren't selling any sand. They didn't have any in stock. But what struck me was that I was relying on myself to locate what I wanted, even though there were people around who could help. And not only that, but the natural response of a child is to ask. If you don't know, you ask. It's the most obvious thing in the world to a child. And I wonder whether that's the same with me and God. Too often, I keep on wandering around aimlessly all over the place, hoping that I'll stumble across what I need to need. 
hoping that things will eventually become clear, while all the time, all the resources of heaven are available at my disposal, if only I would ask. See, asking is a sign of humility. It's a recognition that I need help. And that's exactly the same here in wis with wisdom. The way we get wisdom from above is to ask. And it will be given to us from the throne room of heaven. Now, in scripture, the go-to example, I suppose, um, especially in the Old Testament, when thinking about wisdom, is Solomon. And uh, so Solomon, uh, you, you probably know the story, and uh, he was... He had a dream. God appeared to him in a dream and said, ask for whatever you want. And he said, I need wisdom because I need to rule this people well. And God said, well done. That is a good answer. Um, so I'll give you all the other things as well. Um, and, uh, and he had wisdom. And he, he almost immediately kind of operated with this wisdom. And uh, we read this in 1 Kings 3.28 says, when all Israel heard of the judgment which the king had handed down, they feared the king, for they saw that the wisdom of God was in him to administer justice. I love that. This wasn't just wisdom into a vacuum. Uh, here's an empty pot called Solomon. Let's fill it up with heavenly wisdom. No, it was for a purpose. It was to administer justice. And Solomon knew, knew stuff. He knew, and he knew the, the importance of this wisdom inside out. He was described as the teacher of Israel. He wrote the book of Proverbs and Ecclesiastes and Song of Songs and all sorts of things as well. But in the book of Proverbs, he says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Beginning of knowledge. And what he does is he describes this picture where wisdom, knowledge, understanding and discernment are all intertwined together. Creating this beautiful picture of the riches of wisdom. And in Proverbs 2, verse 20, uh, Proverbs 2 in verses well, 1 to 8, really, he says this. Make your ear attentive to wisdom. Incline your heart to understanding. For if you cry for discernment, lift your voice for understanding. If you seek her, that's wisdom as silver, and search for her as hidden treasures, then you will discern the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of peace. It's an amazing picture, isn't it? This man who asked for wisdom was given wisdom and he knew that it flowed out of knowing God. That was the crucial thing. You see, you can't really ask for some, something from someone that you don't really know. And so asking for wisdom flows from that relationship from, with God. He is the source of wisdom from above. And so we need to know him and then ask for wisdom. So the source of wisdom is God himself. And secondly, the characteristics of wisdom. I mentioned contrasts at the start of this talk, and here James really drives it home as he compares these two types of wisdoms. And the wisdom that you have can only be one thing or the other. It can only be wisdom from above or wisdom not from above. It can't be both. 
And James has kind of set up that way of thinking in the previous passage where he says, salt water, can it, you know, water, can it be salt or fresh or both? It can't be both. It's got to be one or the other. And so here, this again, exhibit A, this wisdom not from above, looks like this. See if you like the sound of this. Bitter jealousy, selfish ambition, arrogant, and lies against the truth. That's the wisdom not from above. That's what it means to have wisdom that comes, in, instead of from above, comes from the natural, the earthly, and the demonic. Let's have the contrast then. So wisdom from above, listen to this. this let this wash over you. Be amazed at the, the, the facets of this gemstone that we're considering, this gemstone of wisdom. The wisdom from above is first of all pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering and without hypocrisy. It's beautiful, isn't it? And this wisdom is attractive. There's something compelling about it when we see it. Let's just go back to, to Solomon. In 1 Kings 4, 29 to 34, we read this. Now God gave Solomon wisdom and very great discernment and breadth of mind like the sand that is on the seashore. Solomon's wisdom, I mean, get this, this, this is mind-blowing. Solomon's wisdom surpassed the wisdom of all the sons of the East and all of the wisdom of Egypt. So everything to the East of Israel and everything to the West and South of Israel as well, Egypt. For he was wiser than all men. I mean, he was wiser than Ethan, the Ezraite. I mean, that would have struck the readers here. He's wiser than He-Man. He had all the power of Grayskull at his disposal. Maybe different He-Man. He was wiser than Kalkol and Dada. He was wiser than the sons of Mahal. His fame was known in all the surrounding nations. He also spoke 3,000 proverbs. And his songs were 1,005. That is a long Spotify playlist. He spoke of trees from the cedar that is in Lebanon, even to the hyssop that grows on the wall. He spoke of animals and birds and creeping things and fish. Men came from all peoples to hear the wisdom of Solomon, from all the kings of the earth who had heard his wisdom. The wisdom from above is attractive. It's wiser than all of that human wisdom. He gave him knowledge in all these areas. People traveled from all over the world to hear it. His wisdom was attractive. Why? Because it's from above. And they saw it work out by him administering justice. So let's just look briefly at these characteristics. It's first of all, pure this wisdom from above is first of all pure this sets the tone for the other characteristics blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see god that's what jesus says in the sermon on the mount it's only the pure who can know god only those who are made pure declared pure and the wisdom is first of all pure it's also peaceable 
Wisdom from above doesn't sow discord. It brings about peace. It's thirdly gentle, not a trumpeting, self-promoting, self-announcing thing. Let's go back to verse 13. Who's wise and understanding? How do we know it? By their good behaviour and the gentleness or meekness of wisdom. Gentleness or meekness was not a characteristic that was valued in Greek society. It implies civility and not strength. It indicated weakness. And so it was kind of startling that Jesus him applied it to himself. Matthew 11, 28 and the verses that follow say this. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon, upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle or meek and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Let me ask you a question. Is there anyone stronger, more reliable, more trustworthy that you would want to come to than Jesus? That's meekness. That's what it means. And Jesus himself is pure, gentle wisdom. Paul says in Colossians that Christ in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. You see, what's on offer here with this wisdom from above is not a weak little catchphrase to live your life by. It's not a pithy little saying to stick on your fridge or a list of well-being tips to fulfil your life's ambitions. What is on offer, as Paul describes in 1 Corinthians, is to know and experience Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. Wisdom from above is a power encounter with the risen Jesus. That's what James is describing here. So it's gentle. <laughs> it's also open to reason. See, wisdom doesn't know all the answers or presume to know everything. Too often in our culture, uh, wisdom is equated with knowing it all. But wisdom from above is actually not knowing it all, but knowing the one who knows it all. That's what wisdom from above is. It's back to that relationship with God. But it's also full of mercy and good fruits. It's not just an internal transformation, but there's an external impact when we have this wisdom. Wisdom from above is given for the benefit of others. We saw that with Solomon. Wisdom from above is displaying the beauty and the goodness of God in every area of our lives. It must affect the world around us. Why? because it results in good deeds, as we read back in verse 13. So it is full of mercy and good fruits affecting others. It's also unwavering. Just in case you were concerned that being open to wisdom means that this might be mean that we're easily swayed or not have any parameters or boundaries, James says it's unwavering. It doesn't compromise. It's clear on the boundaries because it's about God's standards. It's about God's, God's boundaries, God's parameters. But it's also without hypocrisy. This wisdom from above doesn't look like one thing on a Monday and another thing on a Tuesday. 
doesn't say one thing to one person and then just change it to make it a bit more palatable when talking to a second person. It's sincere. It's genuine through and through. It's back to that purity. Now, there are seven characteristics there of this wisdom from above. Why not meditate on one of those each day this week? What does it really mean for this wisdom to be from above to be pure? What does it really mean for it to be full of mercy and good fruits? What does that look like in my life? Thirdly, then, the fruit of wisdom. The fruit is all about what you want to grow. And again, James gives us this contrast, and it's, again, very stark. On the one hand, the wisdom that's not from above results in disorder and every evil thing. In verse 16. And on the other hand, wisdom from above results in peace and righteousness. Let me read verse 18 again. And the seed whose fruit is righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Love that. I find the the placement of this passage within the letter of James really interesting. It follows on immediately from comments about the, the dangers of the tongue and the need for us to watch what we say and how we say it. And how misuse of the tongue or an uncontrolled tongue can wreak havoc in relationships and therefore in families, in churches and in society as a whole. And what comes immediately after this passage, as we'll see next week, is comments about quarrels and conflicts, disunity and pride. And right here, in between all of that, we've got this gem of heavenly wisdom, wisdom from above. And the truth is that those of us who ask, receive and grow wisdom from above reap a harvest of righteousness and peace. I actually like the ESV translation of verse 18, which says that a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. A harvest of righteousness. And we're living in very interesting times. Today, I don't know whether you realise, many of you will, that it's the three-year anniversary of the Grenfell Tower fire. That horrific event, which one of the things that it highlighted was the huge inequality in our society. And that inequality is being highlighted again through this coronavirus pandemic. And some of the issues which are coming out as a result of of this pandemic shining a light into, into dark places is worrying for our society. We also see on our TV screens and in our towns and cities, the outcry in response to what happened to George Floyd, brutally murdered. We see the Black Lives Matter movement who are rightly drawing attention to this issue of racism and in particular the institutionalised racism which is right through our society. And there is absolutely rightly a call to deal with this huge injustice which for too long has gone undealt with. 
we as a nation committed great evils all around the world. We sowed disorder as we expanded our global reach. We so clearly didn't operate with wisdom from above and we've reaped injustice and disorder and evil just as James said we would and we must be people who stand up against the injustice and inequality in our society we must be people who work to change that we must be a church that takes this seriously because it is wrong but the solution is not to sow more disorder the solution is to be those who sow peace and harvest righteousness. Now, these are, these are massive issues. There are no easy solutions. I'm not even pretending to get anywhere close to dealing with them. But what I do know is that if we're going to have a chance of doing anything, we need to have wisdom from above. And so James's question at the start of this paragraph, who among us is wise and understanding? They are the people who are needed at this time. They are the people who are needed for these issues. So that we can make society look more like the kingdom of God and allow it to break out all over the place. But we need wisdom from above. We need this beautiful treasure of wisdom. We need to hold Christ dear in whom are all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And so just to draw this to a conclusion, I think there are three ways in which we need to respond. I think the first way is that we need to ask for wisdom. And I'm going to lead us in that in a minute. You see, asking, this is about knowing the giver of good gifts. It's about humbly recognising our need of him and asking for his presence in our lives, asking for his transformation and asking for the wisdom which he will give. That's the promise James says. And this wisdom in verse five of chapter one isn't primarily decision making wisdom when we need it. Oh, I've got a tough decision to make, so I'll, I'll do a quick give me wisdom prayer. It's not that. It's about possessing and cultivating wisdom so that our lives reflect the beauty and goodness of God. So I'm going to lead us in asking for wisdom in a minute. But the second thing is that we then have to plant and nurture this. This wisdom from above isn't just a download. This is something that we plant and in due course will reap a harvest. And that's the third thing. The third thing is that we harvest. Our deeds will shine. They will be obvious. Peace will reign in our lives. Righteousness will be all around us as we live as people who are filled with wisdom from above. Now, we can't do points two and three this morning. But we can do point one. And points two and three will follow if we steward well the gift that he gives us. So if you want wisdom from above, wisdom that is pure and peaceable, gentle and open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering and without hypocrisy, that when we plant it in peace, it sows a harvest of righteousness. If you want that wisdom, then I'd encourage you to close your eyes now. Hold your hands out before God and I will pray for us and I will ask us for that wisdom.
Father, when we look around at, at your world and what's happening at the moment, it can be overwhelming. It can be daunting. It can make us angry and cross. It can make us shout out against the injustice that is there. And it can also feel overwhelming. It can feel like what impact can we have? And yet, Lord, you give us wisdom from above to enable us to walk well in this world and to influence for your kingdom and advance your kingdom. And so we pray, Father, that we would be a people who are filled with wisdom from above. Father, we ask for it now. We ask that in each of our lives there would be an overflow of your beautiful, precious wisdom in our lives. Lord, that every interaction we have will be shot through with wisdom from above. That our every conversation will be peaceable and gentle it will point to you. It will be pure. Father, would you help us to be people who pursue you? And we ask now for your wisdom to be evident in our lives. We open ourselves to you and say, would you give us your wisdom that we may live wisely for you and for your glory? Amen. Sir, um, yeah, no, well, Simon's pray for us. Um, which is um, good because, you know, the Bible says that the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. So be encouraged, Jubilee, that, um, that heaven is open, that pure wisdom from heaven is coming for you. But I just felt, I just felt stirred really because actually what someone encouraged to do was to ask. Actually, when, when, it's when we ask. So I just want you, wherever you are, whatever wisdom you need, so just whether that's like Tim was saying for your work situation, uh, whether it's for in your family, your family relationships, whether it's for your finances, making decisions about your finances at the moment, or I felt there's someone here as well that you feel God's called you to do something scary. God's called you to, to do something, maybe to reach out to someone, a neighbor, feels scary. You just need wisdom to know how to do that. Um, maybe you're making decisions about your health, uh, whether to shield, whether to uh, stop shielding, whether to go back to work. Um, or maybe you've got yourself into a bit of a pickle. Maybe some of the choices you've made, you've got yourself, you've got yourself into, into trouble and you need wisdom from God in terms of how to, um, how to navigate through that and um, how to repent and uh, to bring healing in that situation. Um, also, I had a picture as well of um, papers. Someone putting papers um, into a top drawer and closing the drawer. And I feel like someone here has, has put something in a drawer to forget about it. It's like paperwork or something. You just... You, you haven't been able to face it and you've put it into a drawer and you've closed the drawer and I just felt God encouraging you. It's time to take those papers out of the drawer and um, he's going to give you wisdom in terms of how to deal with those, what to do with those. Um, because before you've just been at a loss and you've just buried your head in the sand, but take those papers out of the drawer. He's got wisdom for you. And um, also um, I, I, for all of us, I'm sure, and about for many of us, maybe just wondering, how do I respond uh, to the inequalities in society? How do I respond to the Black Lives Matter um, uh, and, uh, and, uh, and, um, movement at the moment you know what we're seeing you know I feel kind of far away I don't know I don't know what to do uh, maybe it's exposed some attitudes in your own heart and we need wisdom in terms of um, how to respond you know? and we need wisdom as a church and especially as leaders at this time to know actually what do we need to do as a, as a, as a, as a leadership um, to deal with some of those equalities to make sure that Jubilee is that family that's inclusive and doesn't um, unwittingly or unintentionally promote some of those inequalities as well. So 
Okay. Um, so um, I just encourage you right now, just that the Holy Spirit is here, the spirit of wisdom and revelation, pure wisdom from heaven is coming. Just I want you to ask, whatever it is, ask. Say in your heart, you know, he, uh, or speak it out. Just, just for a moment now, just, just close your eyes and just ask for that wisdom, whatever it is that you need right now. Let's respond, Jubilee. Let's not be passive. Amen.